Well, how are we doing so far? <laughs> this is a little bit different. We worked hard to, to pull this off this morning, but I got to tell you, we are sort of uh, uh, making adjustments on the fly here. So I hope that we're, I hope you're giving us a lot of grace this morning as we continue. You know, I've been told that as we get older, we do less and less things for the very first time. But I got to tell you, I'm doing something today for the very first time. I am preaching to a camera. I am preaching to a completely empty auditorium. Now, I've preached to people who haven't listened before, but I've never preached before to people who, who weren't even here around me. And yet I know that there are a lot of people with me today, and I know that we're doing this as a family. I also know it's strange for you as well. You're sitting at home on your sofa, on your recliner, sipping on some coffee, wearing your pajamas. Now, I can't see you, but I know that some of you are still in your pajamas this morning. And you know that I know who you are. In fact, we all know who you are, and that's okay. We're glad that you're with us this morning. And I do want to say we're doing the right thing this morning by not being physically present. I hate everything about it. I hate not seeing my family here. I, I hate missing the hugs and the handshakes as I walked in the building this morning. But we're doing the right thing by trying to slow this virus down. And we're also doing the right thing by meeting together as a family taking advantage of the technology that's available to us. And I'm thankful that I live in a time and a place where even though we're not connected physically, we can still be connected emotionally and relationally and especially spiritually on a Sunday morning as we worship together. And I want you to think about all the things that have changed. Just in the last few days, the NBA postponed their season. The NHL postponed their season. MLB postponed. March Madness canceled. Graduations are canceled. Rock concerts canceled. Broadway shows canceled. Going out to dinner at a restaurant canceled. Weddings postponed. Maybe canceled. I don't know. Really, any gathering of people has been canceled for the time being. But can I remind you of something that hasn't been canceled? Can I remind you of something that hasn't been postponed, hasn't been put on hold? That's God's promise to take care of us. God has not canceled His faithfulness to us. And this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about God's faithfulness. And I mentioned when I was um, welcoming everyone, maybe you weren't here, you probably didn't hear me, we're a couple days away from having the technology set up to be able to project the, the scriptures on the screen that you're watching and the song lyrics on the screen. Hopefully next week that's going to happen. But go ahead and find a Bible. Hope you have one handy. And we're just going to read some verses together. And also, I want to give you two challenges this morning. I know that a lot of you have your children with you watching right now. What I want you to do is go get some paper and pencil or crayons or, or something that our kids can draw with. 
And kids, I'm going to ask you to draw some pictures during the next couple of minutes of some things that we're talking about. So I want you to listen carefully. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I'd like you to draw pictures of. And then for all of you adults, whether you have children or not, I'm challenging you to do something as well. I think it would be great if we could encourage each other on social media. Most of you know I have actually zero social media presence, but I'm going to try to change that. I think it would be really encouraging if together we could snap some pictures of ourselves worshiping as a church family and post them on Facebook. We're all friends on Facebook. We follow each other on Instagram and on Twitter. So I'm going to challenge you sometime during the morning, take a picture, make some comments about your family worshiping together. Maybe Maybe show us some pictures of some things that your kids have drawn and post them for us, and, and we can share together in that way. Now, I'm not going to talk a real long time this morning, but as I mentioned, I do want to say a few things about God's faithfulness. And I want to use a passage out of the book of Psalms to do that. It's a beautiful passage, Psalm 95. Go ahead and be turning in your Bibles to Psalm 95. You're going to recognize the first several verses of this psalm because we sing songs today from the, song, the, the words that were written so long ago. We're not sure who wrote Psalm 95, but for centuries the church has been using this beautiful psalm to help us orient our hearts toward God and help us to orient our hearts toward worship as well. So you can read along with me or you can just close your eyes and let these words kind of wash over your heart. I'm going to read the first seven verses of Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for he is our God, and we're the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Faith Lane kids, maybe you could draw a picture from something in that passage. Maybe you could draw a picture of God uh, creating things. Maybe you could draw a picture of some mountains or a picture of the sea or... Maybe you could draw a picture of a shepherd with some sheep. In those short seven verses, the writer here invites us not once but twice to worship God. In verse 1, he says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. And then in verse 6, he says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. The writer is inviting us to pour out our hearts in worship. He's inviting us to shout out loud. He's inviting us to sing for joy. He's inviting us to worship God. And the question sort of becomes, why? Why should we do that? Why should we worship God? Why are we together this morning? No, in, as Robbie put it, in cyberspace. Why are we all getting together at the same time for the purpose of worshiping God? Well, in this short passage, 
the writer is going to give us not one, but two reasons for worshiping God. Uh, verse 3, For the Lord is a great God, the great King above all gods. Why do we worship God? The first reason, because He's great. Because He is powerful. Because He is the great God the king above all gods. And just in case we have a little bit of problem understanding how great God is, the writer's going to help us out a little bit. He says this, In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. I want you to pay attention to the language that's being used here. In his hand, he holds the depths of the earth. The highest peaks belong to him. He shaped the dry land. The writer here is using the imagery of an artist, of a potter molding clay, using his hands to shape and to form the earth. That's who God is. That's the God that we are invited to worship. He's an artist. He's a molder. He's a shaper. He has created things by his own hand. David would write in a psalm, Psalm uh, chapter 8. David would write, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We sing that song too, don't we? You have set your glory in the heavens. And then notice what David says in verse 3 of Psalm 8. He's going to use some, some descriptive language as well. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you take care of them. And I sort of imagine David going out at night on a dark night and looking up at the heavens, looking up at the stars and, and the moon and the planets. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Kids, maybe that would be a good thing to draw a picture of. Maybe you could draw a picture of outer space of the moon and the planets and, and the stars. A lot of you know that I have a, a science background. Scientists tell us that we live in the Milky Way, that's our galaxy, but scientists tell us that there are over 100 billion, billion other galaxies out there. And I don't even know if that number means anything to us. It doesn't really mean anything to me because I can't wrap my mind around that big of a number. But what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 95 is God holds that in his hand. Those billions and billions of galaxies. God holds that in his hands. That's the work of his fingertips. So the first reason why we worship God is because he is so great and he is so powerful. He's worthy of our worship. And here's the second reason why the psalmist gives us to worship God. It's in verse 6. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Here the writer is saying that the same God who created those billions and billions of galaxies, the same God who put the sun and the moon and the planets and all of those stars in place, and put them all in order, that same God also created me. He also created you. Not only is God infinitely powerful, 
But God is also intimately personal. Not only did he put the galaxies in place, not only did he dream up the stars and the planets and all the heavens, he also dreamed up you. He dreamed of me. And I don't want to go all Mr. Rogers on you here, but the truth is there's only one you. And there's only one me. God created us. Ever had anyone tell you, you're a real piece of work, you know that? I don't know if anyone's ever told you that or not, but let me say this. If anyone's ever told you, you're a real piece of work, you know what? They were right. You are a real piece of work. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Interesting, the word that Paul uses, the Greek word for workmanship, is the Greek word poema. It's where we get the word poem from. So in a sense, what Paul is saying is, you are God's poem. In a sense, what he is saying is, you are God's love song. What a great image. So the first reason Psalm 95 gives us for worshiping God is, he's so great. He is so powerful. He demands our worship. And then the second reason we have in Psalm 95 for praising and worshiping God is he is so personal. Not only is he so powerful, he is so personal. He created me. He created you. Then verse 7 in Psalm 95. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. God is the one who provides for us. God is the one who protects us. God is the one who cares for us. We are his sheep. He is our shepherd. We are part of his flock. Faith Lane kids, I hope that you've drawn a picture of the shepherd and sheep. It's such a beautiful image of our God picking us up, holding us close. We're the sheep of his hand. We belong to his flock. Let me go to the New Testament for just a, a moment. In Mark chapter 4, there's a story that we are all very familiar with. It's a story of, of Jesus getting in a boat with his disciples late one night, and they're going to go across the Sea of Galilee. And as they're crossing the Sea of Galilee, this terrible storm blows up, and the disciples in the boat, they're afraid. And they're worried, and they're anxious. And in the chaos of the waves actually breaking over the boat, they're searching for Jesus, and they find Jesus asleep in the boat. And, and again, kids, I bet you know that story well enough to draw a picture of that story. Maybe you could draw a picture of Jesus in a boat in a storm. I'd love to see that. But let's see what the text says. I'm in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitudes, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? 
Like I said, we're, we're very familiar with that story. But I don't want you to miss the question that they asked Jesus. It is so deep. It is so profound. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Lord, don't you care? God, don't you care about us? God, don't you care what we're going through? God, don't you see what's going on all around us? Don't you see the danger that we are all in? God, can't you see the storm that we're in the middle of right now? Don't you care that we're perishing? Have you heard anybody asking those kinds of questions in the last few days? Where's God in all this? Where's God? Doesn't God know? Doesn't God care? Doesn't he see what's going on? Doesn't he know there's a pandemic sweeping the world? Doesn't he know there's a virus that nobody can get a hold on? Doesn't he care that we're perishing? Well, we know how the story ends in Mark 4, but let's read it anyway. Verse 39. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So Jesus wakes up. He sees the storm. He's aware of the storm, and he sees the fear in his followers' eyes. And he speaks to the wind, and the wind dies down. He uses his words, and the sea becomes calm. And the disciples who are in the boat, they're saying to themselves, who is this guy? I mean, we've been with him for a while now, but who is this guy that he can speak and nature obeys him? Who is this man that has that much power that he speaks and the wind dies down when he tells it to die down? The sea becomes calm when he tells it to become calm. Who is this man who is that powerful? But I also have to believe that they were thinking to themselves, who is this man who is that personal? Because Jesus didn't just speak power to the storm. He also spoke peace to their hearts. He also, in a moment, calmed their fears. They were terrified, not of the wind and the sea anymore. They were terrified to be in the presence of someone so powerful. But he stilled their fears of what was going on around them. In a word, three words, peace be still. He spoke peace not just to the storm. He spoke peace to their hearts as well. In times like this, I am so thankful that we serve a God who is so powerful that he can speak to nature. And he can speak to the world events going on around us and has that kind of power. But I'm also thankful that we serve a God who is so personal that he can speak to our hearts and calm the fear and calm the anxiety and calm the doubts that we feel. God hears us when we ask, don't you care that we're perishing? And he responds with compassion and power, and reassurance. So, I want to close by reading Psalm 95 one more time. And I'm going to ask you to do something. Um, instead of reading along with me, 
I'm going to ask you instead to just close your eyes. I know it might be really awkward. You're home alone. You're home with your spouse. You know, your kids are there. But I want you to close your eyes and just listen to what the psalmist is saying as we read it again. Um, I just want this, these words to, to kind of go with you this week, kind of allow them to sing to our hearts. Um, I don't know. Let God speak to us. Because I'm convinced that God wanted us to hear this passage this morning. And I'm convinced that God wants us to take this into our week this week. So close your eyes, if you would, and just listen as I, sing, or as I um, read this psalm again. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In His hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to Him. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of his hands. Our singers are going to come back up and they're going to lead us in one last song and then I'll come back up and I'll have a closing prayer um, and uh, make a, a comment or two as well. But again, I'm really going to encourage you, as awkward as it might feel, sing along with this song that we know so well. It's a beautiful reminder of just where we stand as sheep of God's hand. worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Come, let us worship and bow down. 